Welcome to a brand new episode of the All Hoops Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Inman, and joined as always by star producer and co-host Chris Brito. Chris, we have a big show today. Rudy Gobert gets traded for 10 million picks. Kevin Durant saga, day six. Other notable free agents are still out there. We'll talk all that and more. First, how are you? Hey, buddy. You know, I'm doing all right. I'm recovering from COVID, but it's been an interesting couple of days with all the free agency moves, you know, the mix made some moves, which is always good to see after a very quiet draft night. Um, you know, the KD trade request, we, we went over that on our live, our first live show the other night. Uh, but I think we should start with Rudy Gobert. I think that might be the trade that really caused some people like yourself to, to, to really scratch their heads a bit, mostly because of the haul that, Utah got out of trading Gobert to, to, to the Timberwolves. So I don't hate it as much as you do, but why don't we go over what that was? So you want to break down the deal for us, Steve? Yeah. So the, to make the salaries work, Minnesota sent down Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, and Jared Vanderbilt, along with uh, former technically Nick Leandro Balmero and the number 22 pick Walker Kessler, a center. Then they also sent out four first-round picks, unprotected in 23, 25, 27, and then top five protected in 29. Uh, the franchise-altering deal for both sides where you're getting, you know, Rudy Gobert and his four years and $170 million left on his deal. Chris, I'd like – you can go first. You tell me what you think. Obviously, this is a giant trade for both sides. So, I, first, I want to say I like this deal for Utah because you give yourself enough – more depth in terms of trying to retool around Donovan Mitchell if you decide to keep him. Um, and then you also set yourself up for the future. And I think that this move doesn't surprise me considering who's leading the helm, which is Danny Ainge, uh, who has historically known to commit highway robbery in the past. Um, and so in terms of the Timberwolves, I don't hate it as much as a lot of people. I, I think Sometimes there is a danger in, in following what everybody else is doing because, you know, the Wolves may not necessarily have the personnel for that. Um, but going a little bit against the grain, and you saw it a little bit with the Cleveland Cavaliers last year with, with, uh, with Mobley and um, their center. Jared um, Allen. Jared Allen, right. And so I... I sort of applaud the sort of trying to employ a, the twin the twin city lineup now with 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 Gobert and and yes. and Cat as and Towns right <clears throat> down in the you know manning the paint and quite frankly like you they are there to to potentially disrupt I understand uh, Rudy Gobert's defensive issues when it comes to switching but. I think he's someone who could raise the floor for the Wolves. And I think the issue that issues that he ran into Utah was that whenever he would run down in the paint, uh, run from the paint to the three-point line to defend the guards or the, uh, the smaller players, there would be nobody there to, to protect the paint behind him. And I think that's where someone like Kat come in and sort of bolster that defense. 
Um, and listen, and, and when it comes to those first round picks, granted, it, they paid a premium in terms of like three unprotected picks, which is kind of unheard of recently, uh, is a lot. Like, you don't want to mortgage your future that much. But that being said, I think those three picks end up being like not lottery picks, probably in their 20s. This, the, the Wolves team is on the up, even with without this trade. And I think this will be it. I don't think this will go down as one of the worst trades as some people in this podcast want to believe. Yeah, I, I think when we're on what season, you know, 12 or 13 of the All Hoops podcast, you know, in 2029, 20, 2030, and we're talking about, all right, what was the worst trade of the decade? I think this very well could be that trade. I think this is a disaster for Minnesota. They are acquiring a guy who has shown that he struggles to impact games in the postseason. This is not a short sample size. He's 30. He's going to make 38 million next year as a center. He's going to make 41 million the year after that. He's going to make 43.8 the year after that. And then he's got a $46.6 million player option for 2026. That is so much money for a center who can't shoot. And you not only took that contract, but you are now giving up, as you said, three unprotected firsts, a top five protected first in 2029 when Rudy Gobert very well could be retired. You know, he'll be 38. That is and, and and also Walker Kessler was your first round pick, a center. You trade him in this deal. You had Patrick Beverly, who became a really important piece for this team. He's gone. I I don't I don't get it. I don't love it. And I agree with you that this will help their floor. I can see a scenario where they finish as the third team in the in the West and they win 53 games, but I, I don't see this team really getting out of the first round. Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard to say whether this team like improves dramatically in 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 a West Western Conference that's like improving. It seems by by the day, you know, you have the Clippers being healthy, you have the Lake. Oh, I don't even know if I want to count the the Lakers in there, but you have the Mavericks, you have the the NBA champion Warriors, uh, Memphis. Uh, I can't say that they're better than any of those teams, even with Rudy Gobert. But I do think that in the long run, this lineup sorts of sets them up differently. And I'm so intrigued that what this team is going to look like because, you know, they they did lose a good player in Vanderbilt, which kind of sucked. Um, but they got to keep McDaniels, who I'm a big fan of. Me too. And and you have Anthony Edwards who. It might need, it, to be quite honest with you, it might not even matter because Anthony Edwards is improving year by year. And he could be someone who like could be a top 10 NBA player this year or in a few years. It's going to be fascinating to see how this plays out. Um, Rudy with Towns, can those guys play together? You know, I like the, the zagging when other people are zigging, right? Like you saw it in Cleveland with, with Allen and Mobley. I think it takes a very unique duo to make that work. I could see this working in that respect because Towns is such a good shooter, but Towns is also a guy who likes to be on the block. Towns is a guy who also likes to work inside. He's not going to be on the three-point line for 95% of this game. Well, so you should you should have seen him. How they make those guys work is going to be fascinating. So, so here's, that th- here's the thing, though. Like, 
I think Cat is actually, you can make the argument that he was doing most of his damage against the Grizzlies on the three-point line. I mean, he was, yes. I, barely saw, I barely saw him on the block. And so that might, the team might not have to change dramatically just because of Rudy Gobert. I mean, Cat is, has shown that he's very comfortable from up top. Um, so, and if you think about it, Cat really plays like a, a power forward from, you know, 15 years ago. Yes. You know, he's someone who could at least like stretch the floor. But also like now we're hearing, oh, like he doesn't want to be a center. Also, no centers who have an offensive game want to be centers. They all want to be power forwards. Anthony Davis, Aiton, Cat. They all want, they all don't want to play center. And I think, you know, you just gave Cat this giant supermax extension. And he probably was like, you can find me a center where I can do most of my damage offensively as the, as a four and not have to, you know, bang down low with, with, with centers defensively. That might help keep him healthy. So there's definitely a positive there. Um, at the same time, though, four first-round picks. Chris, to me, this is classic new owner syndrome. You have Mark Laurie, Walmart guy, A-Rod coming in. we got to make a splash. It's our team now. We want to put our fingerprint on the team. How do we do that? You have Rudy Gobert available, and you basically say, all right, whatever it takes, go get him. Let's turn ourselves into a championship-caliber team, and I just don't think they're there. Maybe not, but I kind of respect the the sort of like difference in thinking to see like you know what maybe this lineup works, maybe it doesn't. I mean, I think we could say the same thing about Cleveland in terms of like, listen, I'm not anointing Cleveland as like this like what I did like about what Cleveland did was just like have the sort of stones to try something different, and it's worked out for them. You know if if Allen doesn't get injured, this team is probably ends up being top four, top five in the East. Um, but in regards to the Timberwolves, the other thing that I find interesting, and we can bring it up in our segment later on, you know, Rudy Gobert going to Timberwolves doesn't necessarily mean that Cat's going to be there forever either. I mean, I think he, he did sign that big new deal and that leaves the situation calm for now. But it wouldn't be the first time that we've seen if a player's unhappy, him ask for a trade. I mean, look at what's happening with the Nets right now. So I, in some ways, it does bring some insurance to the to the Wolves in a few in a few years if Cat decides to leave. Um. So, I I, I honestly don't hate it, and, and to be and to be even more honest, like Anthony Edwards is so good that like. This this deal may not matter. And uh, if you love Anthony Edwards, you're not really familiar with his game, go watch Hustle. A little uh, shameless plug there. Just he was incredible in that. You know, he plays this villain. He was fantastic. And I think he makes himself way more lovable in that respect. Uh, with Towns, real quick, this is – I don't like the money they gave him. And I'm going to say that about every big four years, $224 million, Chris – that is just such an absurd amount of money. But at the end of the day, you just saw an absurd amount of money with Rudy Gobert. They had no tro- no problems at all trading him. So I guess that, I, that's... I also, I also don't hate that deal for Cat because how I many centers could... Great for Cat. I don't like it for the Timberwolves. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, I like the deal for, for the, the Wolves and Cat because, first of all, 
you know, Timber, the Timberwolves are not exactly a, a free agent destination. Sorry, Mitch, if you're listening to this podcast. Um, they're not a free agent destination. What's the last big free agent that went there? Yeah, but Chris, that's like that comes out to like fifty-six million dollars. I, I, I totally get a year. What, I totally get it. But for towns. The Timberwolves are in a place where they just don't have the draw of a big city or of a interesting small market team. And so I get the steal for them. And plus you get a center who oh power forward. Yeah. Um, who could who could shoot the three. Uh you know, really be an important piece on a potential championship team, be a number two, number three option. Um, I don't hate it. From the Utah perspective, they get all these picks. They claim we're not trading Mitchell next. We're, we're going to try to rebuild the way the Portland Trailblazers have tried to rebuild around Lillard with picks. And you know what? If they do, and you can go to Phoenix and be like, hey, here's one of these unprotected Minnesota picks give us DeAndre Ayton and all of a sudden you can basically have a team with Mitchell Ayton and it's more or less the same team as last year, except you have a younger center who is making less money. You have more draft picks now to do other things like go get a, you know, a, a three and D OG and a Nobi type wing. I think you can make a case that that Utah team is better than this last year's Utah team. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think that deal for Utah makes a whole lot of sense. I mean, you have, you have Patrick Beverly as a potential like backup. Yeah. You have Con- like you still have Conley there for another few years or year. I forget how much time is left on his contract, but like you could easily retool around Donovan Mitchell. It's just harder to retool around somebody like Rudy Gobert, which um, we know perfectly about. Um, and so this team really becomes into a fun squad if they're able to find the pieces and adding someone like Aiden, like Aiden would be fantastic like if if i'm if i'm utah like i am calling Aiden's free agent like crazy right now the issue there is it seems like phoenix has to match any max deal so you probably have to give up an asset so you're not really calling about Aiden, you're calling phoenix about Aiden, you're not calling the agent. So we'll see how that plays out. But wait, I but isn't isn't Aiden unrestricted? He's restricted. Oh, got it. My fault. The whole idea is, you know, can you know Phoenix throw him into a signing trade for KD, which we'll get to in a second. But it'll be fascinating to see how you know much you know Aiden tries to pull free of that situation. Is he waiting to go to Brooklyn? Is he? You know, you haven't really heard a peep out of him basically since the day one of free agency. So I'm curious to see how that plays out. You know, Detroit and San Antonio were considered the two favorites. I think both of them are out of that race now. You know, clearly Detroit's going young and San Antonio is going tank. So I think uh, both of those. And then with Conley, two years, $47 million off in that deal. It's a lot of money. Um, A contender could use him, but it's just so much money that I I wonder if, if they do blow this thing up do they wind up buying him out at some point? But uh, he's still a guy who, when healthy, is a useful player. He played in 72 games last year, so I think he could still play at a high level and be a starting point guard in this league. All right, let's move on. KD, Chris, it's day six of this sweepstakes, and uh, we don't really know if they're any closer. It seems like they're not closer to making a deal. And if you know New Orleans can't trade Zion now, 
Phoenix can't trade Devin Booker now. And I'm wondering, is it possible that KD just stays in Brooklyn for the year? So we talked about this before the show, and I'm starting to think that the Nets are not going to trade either one of them. Mostly because they have the ball in their court. They're not, after bending over backwards to make both of those guys happy, they certainly have no requirement to make them happy in their post-Nets life. So I think the best mode of action is to approach everything as if they're going to play this year. And then if it doesn't work out, you figure it out later on in the season, just because the haul doesn't seem worth it for the Nets. Like no matter what you have to change and you're you're going to have to convince other teams that if you don't give us what we want, we're just going to hold them. We don't have to trade them. Whether that's true or not, they have to convince other teams of that. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's sort of ridiculous that like teams like the Lakers who are, you know, are stuck with somebody like Russell Westbrook aren't willing to give another first round pick for Kyrie Irving. I think that's just ridiculous. I mean, I know we're, we're talking about Kevin Durant first, but I just need to comment on that because you're right. If, if, if you have the ability to fix your wrongs by just adding another pick, Right. Like right now, the offer that. is, it sounds like it's like Westbrook and like Taylor Horton Tucker for like Kyrie and Joe Harris, where Lakers are sending one of their two available picks. If I'm the Nets, I got to have both. I'm taking one pick to take Russell Westbrook's bad contract, and I'm getting one for giving you Kyrie Irving. That's how I see that playing out. And I think at the end of the day, that's what happens. I do believe that'll eventually happen, but at the same time, for them to haggle like this, you have no other options. You are desperate. And you, you know, we're, we're talking about trying to convince other teams that you, the Nets could keep Kyrie or Durant, right? There is no convincing other teams that we're going to run this back with Russell Westbrook and be fine. They know if you run this thing back with Russell Westbrook, you're going to have the same season again. And everyone knows that, except for maybe the Lakers. <laughs> You see, a little self-awareness is healthy for everyone. And I think the Lakers, I I feel like if the Lakers just, they have to suck it up and do it. They just have to. Like, there's just no other way around it. Yeah, Um, I agree. Anyway, in terms of Kevin Durant, it looked like the Suns were were the front runners. And so then the Raptors also became these dark horse favorites. I think Vegas had them at like plus 3,000 odds. And now they're like plus 300 or something to that effect. I mean, the Raptors could very well offer them the best deal. I yes, think. they could. If if the Raptors, in my opinion, if they go, all right, we'll give you Scotty Barnes and like Trent and maybe OG as salary filler with picks, I think that's the best deal. I think that's a deal that could get the Nets competitive right away. And all of a sudden you go to Toronto and be like, okay, Fred Van Vliet, Kevin Durant, Pascal Siakam, that to me is good enough to go win a championship. Yeah. They would be, I don't know if they would be the favorites in the East, but they would be close. They would be very close. So I feel I like, like that, I like that deal. sense for both sides. It's just about the haggling. And then would Toronto give up that much if Kevin Durant's camp is like, don't send us there, don't do it. We're not going to be happy. Does that work? 
And the most fascinating thing of this to me is, is Kevin Durant going to get to handpick where he wants to go with four years left on his deal? Because if he does, then we don't really need contracts anymore. Well, I think in, th- in thinking of returns, I just think that's like a very formidable return. Like no matter how you look at like the, 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 the people I want to hear about the least is Kevin Durant's camp, Kyrie's camp. Like, I understand that this is a player's league, of course, but like on some level, like your contract's got to be worth something. Like it can't just be like, oh, you know, I'm tired of hot air. I want cold air now. Like, you know, like on, on some level, it there needs to be a, a conversation about like in the next CBA about how these deals are made and like players want it out after getting their money. We, do you want to go over that now or do you want to? Let's do that now. Um, sure. I totally agree with you. I think it's arguably the biggest topic for media and fans in the next CBA. I have no idea how they fix this thing. I I don't, I don't know. Yeah. So uh, one idea that I heard about the other day, um, I think it was on the Bill Simmons pod, but they were basically talking about how, so after you sign a max deal, right. So whether that's an extension or whatever it is, like, the first two or three years. I think it was two years. two years. It was two years. You can't have a trade clause. You have to have a no trade clause. And then B, like, if you're healthy enough, you can play. Like, I, I don't know who makes that determination of the healthy part because of the whole Ben Simmons thing, which kind of raises a lot of other ethical questions. Um, I, I think it's more like... If you are sitting out, you're not participating, you are not coming to the games, you don't, you don't get your money. You don't get your money, yes. I, like, no. for, like, like for example, the Kyrie thing from this year. Like, he, he uh, I believe he was fine, right? For every game he didn't play away. Uh, bec- they, had, uh, they had it in the CBA somehow that basically because of COVID, if you are not eligible to play in your city from city mandate rules, you don't get your, you don't get that was that half season money. So uh, he wound up coming back and they wound up paying him for those games, but he did not get paid for home games for most of the season. That's ridiculous. I mean, but I, I, I mean, I agree. I mean, I, I, I see like, I just think it, I, it felt like such a long time ago. Yes. <laughs> I was just like, oh my God, I can't believe like, that. Like happened. Ben Simmons right now is suing the Sixers for the money that they recouped from him. And to me, that can't happen. Like that should not be allowed. That There has to be something in the next CBA that stops the next Ben Simmons from even thinking about doing something like that. And I don't know how they do that. And normally for these negotiations, I'm usually in the middle or I'm yeah. usually team players because the owners usually, especially in baseball, have been just so greedy. Yeah. But here it seems like the power is completely shifted to the player side where Kevin Durant has not started a max super max deal in Brooklyn. They're paying him 45 to $50 million a year for the next few years. It's a bargain contract if he plays and they have catered to him. They've done everything in their power to make him comfortable. And all of a sudden now, because they're playing hardball with Kyrie Irving, he goes, I don't want to be here anymore. And it's crazy to me because we talked about it, you know, during our live show, but if the Suns got half their roster to trade for Kevin Durant, isn't the Nets, isn't this Nets team with Katie and Kyrie and Ben Simmons still the best option for him to win a championship? Isn't it? 
but you know, and you know, they're talking about, oh, he wants to go to Miami, but you can't trade Lowry, Butler, or Bam. He's got to play with all those guys. How is that going to work? And it seems like the power has gone so far the other way that like players are now being completely unreasonable. Like, yeah. And, and just to piggyback off your point, yeah. it's just, I can't say that it's ruining the league because as we both know, and we, as we've talked about it with non basketball fans, friends that are our friends, it just makes the league so much more interesting. It's so, yeah. so yeah. much fun. And I can't say that like it ruins the league because you can make the argument that the free agency and like all this drama makes the league so much more interesting. It does but, for sure, but this can't, if, if all of a sudden KD can go to Phoenix, Kyrie going to LA, what stops Brad Beal from doing this in a year? What stops, you know, all these other guys from doing this in a year where it becomes too out of hand? This happens once a year to a big guy. Great. It's entertaining. It gives us stuff to talk about. I'm checking my Twitter every five minutes waiting for something, even though I know it's probably not going to happen for weeks. But if, if this happens, keeps happening, it's going to just spiral out of control in my opinion yeah and i and i think whatever happens with this nets deal is going to be like league changing in, in many ways because yes. it'll be a ref, it'll be a referendum on how nba superstars are both perceived within the league and like it it, it does make them look all look like divas whatnot like you know, say what you want about LeBron James, but he has, you know, he's always completed his contracts without asking for a trade. Um, and I think it's crazy when you think about, you know, how far we've gone with with LeBron. He's been in the league for what twenty years, and like he's yeah, he's done twenty. It. Yeah. Anyway, just to just to finish off with 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 Kevin Durant um, and the Nets, I don't think they get I don't think they get traded, and as they shouldn't. Like they should wait out for the best possible deal. And if the Lakers are being stingy, then I am not trading Kyrie Irving there. Right. I mean, if we said it before, but if all of a, if they're not trading us draft if, if us if they're not trading the Nets draft picks, uh, then why would I take on more money for Russell Westbrook? Why would I do that? That doesn't make sense to me. I'm going to make Kyrie happy and take on $12 million for what? It doesn't make sense. I'd rather just send Kyrie home if he really won't play. And if he doesn't want to play, that'll be, you know, a year, a year and a half of basically not playing basketball. How is he going to get his max deal in a year? So I think the Nets have more leverage here than we're let on where it seems like they have no control. If, if Kevin Durant doesn't want to go to Toronto, he's not going to go to Toronto. He's not going to go to New Orleans, but I'm, I'm going to force the issue because I think they need to stop, you know, bowing down to the players. And I've been seeing all over teams are like, or, you know, media people are like, what was the lesson to be learned here? And it's not to bow down to your players. But at the same time, if Kevin Durant, you know, Kevin Durant has 25 teams interested in him right now, and they're going to give him some control. The key is just not giving him everything. Agreed. So let's go. Let's go through like some of the other yeah. other notable free agents uh, still available. James Harden, which is he's not really available, but like it looks like the Sixers and him met over the weekend to talk about a future deal. DeAndre Ayton, as you mentioned earlier, is a restricted free agent. I like a lot of places for him. I like him in Detroit. I like. I mean, 
even though I don't know how realistic that'll be. Um, I like him in Utah. And if the Nets retool, I, I'd love Aiden to be like a centerpiece there. It'd be a little bit different. And so this is the other one that was one of the bigger, some of the, one of the bigger headlines over this whole free agency period was uh, Miles Bridges. He was charged with domestic uh, domestic violence assault or something to that effect. Yes. Um, he was accused of hitting his his uh, his his wife or his girlfriend, and and you know, obviously the money aspect is like the least important thing about this whole thing. So let me start with there, but uh, to switch over to the basketball end of things, like you know, he was about to sign a big deal, um, but now Charlotte is sort of left in this like no man's land where they don't have anybody to replace the production. There's nobody really available in free agents to replace that production. And now they're sort of going to be relegated into a team that's going to be not really in playoff contention or playoff like consideration. Either. It's, it's a disaster, Chris, because obviously you can't resign them. You can't. And you, can't. you get why, but it's so late in the, in the summer now you really don't have another option to go out and bring in to replace him. So you're talking about, you know, LaMelo ball with hopefully healthy Gordon Hayward, scary Terry and rookie Mark Williams as a center. To me, that is a, you can make a case. That's one of the worst two or three teams in the East, you know, yeah. and they're not bad. And to me, they're not bad enough to tank. And yeah. They're not good enough to really compete. They're kind of in that no man's land. Yeah. And to reiterate, like, you know, you gotta let the 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 legal aspect to legal aspect of the whole thing to play out. But um, again, it's one of those situations where, like, man, it, depending on who you ask, it was like I don't know. I'm not gonna get into it, but you know, we just hope that whole situation gets resolved um, the way it's supposed to. Uh, Absolutely, I'm, I'm, and, hoping, I'm hoping she gets the help that she very much needs the kids are, are going to be okay. And, uh, you know, I mean, you, you hope that he gets the help he needs to make sure that something like this never happens again as well. So yes. it's a tragic, it's a tragic story from everyone. There's no winners in this. Everyone's a loser in this, you know, the Bridges family, the Hornets, everybody. So you hope that, uh, this gets resolved soon and, uh, we wish them all the best of luck. Let's, uh, let's talk about, uh, Jalen Brunson, so we mentioned this on the live. We, we're starting to like the contract a little more as the details came out. I'm excited. They finally have a point guard. I want to talk about tampering. And to me, this is something we talked about on the live. I wonder if they're going to hit with this. There's no debate about whether they tampered. They obviously tampered. We know they did. Teams tamper everywhere. They, I, hate how, I hate how sloppy they were about it, though. Like, they were super sloppy. And, and, you know, if you're asking the Knicks to make smart moves and then be quiet and finesse them, I think you're asking too much. This is not a smart organization. They barely know what they're doing. You're, now we're asking them to make good moves and then be quiet about them. I think it's just asking too much. The question I have, and I'm sure we know the answer to this, but if Jalen Brunson is talking to his dad about the biggest decision of his life, why is that tampering? I mean, well, that doesn't make sense to me. And it is know, tampering, though. Yeah, but like, is he the only free agent who has a dad who's a coach on a team? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure. 
like I, I I don't I don't believe that. I think I, you know basketball. If, if, you know Steph Curry becomes a free agent and he's talking to his dad who has you know ties to Charlotte and he has you know with with the broadcasting and all these things. Like to me, but, the only reason they're in trouble is because the Mavericks are upset. If the Mavericks did not are not causing a fuss, I don't think there's any tampering charge, and that's why yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense to go to them and be like. How do we turn this into a sign and trade? How do we help you get a very small something out of this for a guy that you did not want to pay $26 million a year to? You did not. You know, they're not saying, oh, we would have matched the deal. They're saying the Knicks did this before we could talk to them. But they're not saying they would have matched the deal. What, can yeah. you go to them and be like, okay, we're going to do a sign and trade. We're going to give you something small back. Second, you know, some kind of maybe a trade exception. You know, the trade exception would, I think for him would be like 13 million a year is usually half the contract. You can go out and get a useful piece. And then all of a sudden the Knicks can go to the NBA and be like, what are they upset about? We gave them a, a trade exception. They were not matching this deal. All he did was talk to his dad. And hopefully that will lessen the charge because you See, know you, at some you, point. You can't though. Why? I mean, he's still a Knicks employee. Like he's, in, he's an assistant coach on the team, so. I get why the Dallas Mavericks are upset. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, how many times has this happened every year? I mean, it's happened I'm, every year. I'm, I'm pretty sure there was tampering. I'm pretty sure there was tampering with Isaiah. Oh, absolutely. Or, every team like, does this. And then, as you said, it's about who is sloppy. And they were the most sloppy of every team this year. Just like ooh, the sloppiest. Both- the were the sloppiest last year with Lonzo Ball. We heard for weeks they're signing Lonzo Ball. They're signing Lonzo Ball. Six oh one p.m. Lager, uh, Lager. Bulls agree to a four year deal with uh, with Lonzo Ball. They get hit with the, they lose a second round pick. Eventually, if Adam Silver wants to stop this, he's going to have to start taking away first round picks. He's going to have to start taking away multiple first round picks. And you're not you're not in any danger of losing the player because the money is dried up. You won't find anywhere else. You're punishing him. They want to punish the teams. They don't want to punish the players. Uh, they're terrified of the players. So they're not going to punish the players. So eventually it's going to be the Knicks lose 2023 first round pick. And that'll be a disaster if you lose that for Jalen Brunson. I'm hoping that's not the case. I don't expect that to be the case, but eventually the, yeah. a team is going to get the hammer dropped on them. And you're hoping it just can't be for for uh, Jalen Brunson with the Knicks. It just can't. You know, it's, you know it's gonna happen to us, but um, but not to to completely poo-poo this whole Jalen Brunson thing. I thought, as you said, like the deal sounded better as we 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 really got to know the terms of it, um, and I think he's in a really addressing me that we've had for a very long time. Now we talk about it all the time on the show about a point guard need, um, but I'm. I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna really pay off, and I'm excited to see what the team looks like. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I also hope that at one point um, Leon Rose and company uh, address the media. I'm, I'm sure they will. The last time they did was when I wouldn't hold your breath. <laughs> I wouldn't hold my breath, but they did it last time when Kemba and uh, Fournier were uh, were introduced. So Bill Simmons brought up on his pod like. Could the signing trade either be a trade exception or could it be you're just giving Evan Fournier to Dallas and be like, hey, you know, 
you can only afford a guy like this in this trade. If not, you can't really do anything else. I wonder if they would take him. I don't think they would at two years and 38 million left, but I think it's a, it's definitely something worth watching because that's going to become official in the next couple of days. So there's still time to make something like that work. Yeah. I I'd love, if I'm Dallas, I'd love somebody like Fournier because you, you essentially um, get back some of Brunson's production because they have nobody else who, I mean, I guess you could argue Christian Wood, but yeah. uh, Fournier could space the floor. I mean, you need people to space the floor when, with Luca on the floor. Last thing on the tambourine, and then we'll move on. But I heard in The Athletic, one of their big complaints was the Knicks knew they had him because they were clearing cap space at the draft. The Knicks clear cap space every other year for guys who never come. Every time. So it's like they did it for Kevin Durant. They did it for LeBron James. This idea that the Knicks were like clandestine to know, oh, we do this. No, they just do this every other year. They're waiting. They're always trying to trade draft picks and clear cap space just in case. And it's I, I talked about how I didn't want to do this until you knew he was coming until, you know, July 1st. And they didn't do that. They, and now it looks, they look guilty. And I'm so, hoping, uh, I'm hoping this so, doesn't do more than anything else. But they don't have a lot of late second round picks. They have oh. you know, early second round picks. Okay, I have I have one more big question before we move on yeah. to final thoughts. Over under, you'll get a Brunson jersey after over under two seasons. I don't I don't think I'm gonna get the, the Brunson jersey. Um, Why? And in I got my Barrett. One. I rock I rock with Barrett, and then I'm curious what number Brunson wears. But he wore 13 in Dallas. And to me, that is the most unlucky number. I can't. I can't wear a, a thirteen. So right, if you wear, if you wear a different number, I mean, I, I don't see it's it's improbable. Um, I'm always looking for guys who I think are going to be around long term. And other than Barrett, I would guess now Brunson would be the most likely to be around long term. So I don't think it's inconceivable if he wears a different number. But at the same time, oh, by the way, Fournier what? has number thirteen, and he might be in this trade. If there is a trade. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, so um, we'll see on that. But at the end of the day, I think uh, if they wind up trading all their graphics and young players for Donovan Mitchell in two months, I think that would be the guy I would go get. So very curious to see how that plays out. He's my favorite. Uh, big Met fan too. We love that. Uh, let's move on to final thoughts right after this. All right, Chris, final thoughts time here. A couple of really good moves I really liked that were under the radar. TJ Warren to Brooklyn on a one-year deal. We really haven't seen him play since the bubble where he just went out of his mind. But as we talked about before, it seems like they're building a team that has really good pieces around Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. They also they they also added Royce O'Neal for a first-round pick. Um I feel like who I forgot who was suggesting this, but like Royce O'Neal is really good friends with Don Mitchell. Yes. And so and is Eric so, Castle, who they declined his $2 million option. So they're not catering to, to Mitchell right now. They're not. And so I'm 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 intrigued at the possibility of the Nets maybe making a run for Don Mitchell at some point. Um, but in regard to what type of team the Nets are building, it really seems like they're trying to complement somebody who's coming or somebody who's already there i mean those are two two guys who could like you know provide a punch off the bench or provide a punch in the starting unit and 
I really like the Warren signing. I thought that was sort of low key. Yeah. I mean, a lot of contenders were going after him. And I think this gives Warren, like, whether the Nets stay with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, like, Warren's going to get his reps. In, and it'll be a year where he can, like, recoup his value. Which is yeah. Great. And they, you know, they had a very good year two years ago with Jeff Green, basically, as that punch off the bench. Whereas if they keep this team together, TJ Warren to me is a better version of that if he's healthy. Like that score, you know, he could start, he can come off the bench, he can do a little, like he can rebound a little bit. And like to me, that's a great fit for a contender. And if they blow this whole thing up, then all of a sudden he's your starting three or four for, for four months and you can flip him out of the deadline for something good. So I really like that all the way around. One other one I really liked was Malcolm Brogdon, my guy. He goes to Boston. Uh, for it seemed like cents in the dollar, you know, you get a 2023 first round pick, which, you know, we talk about future picks. We don't know what they're going to be, but Boston was in the finals. I expect that to be a pick in the mid twenties. Uh, Aaron Neesmith, uh, Daniel Tice. So I, I don't really get the love there. He's making a lot of money and you get Malcolm Brogdon. I, I thought that was a great deal for Boston and whether he starts or comes off the bench, that's a point guard who can really help initiate offense, get Brown and Tatum the ball in their spots. You know, we killed Jalen Brown for his lack of creation, his lack of quality dribbling, you know, in those playoffs. And now Brogdon's a guy who can really help him there. I mean, I, in many ways, he's like the perfect fit for that team. Like if, if you were in a lab trying to create what the ideal player next to them would look like. It might be him. It would it would most likely be Brockton. And I didn't even realize like the Celtics had enough pieces to go after him. Yeah. And to see him get him was kind of like, oh, that's a that's a pretty good move for them. Especially uh, considering we were talking about like Washington with the 10th pick, Knicks with the 11th pick, would they give those up for, for him? And all of a sudden now the return is so much less than that. Yeah. And I think I hate the deal for the Pacers because they got nothing out of it. Like they just yeah. did. It was a, it was a it was a dump. It was a it was a player dump. This was the plan. And, and right now, the Celtics look like really strong favorites to return to the finals. They added, they, I, we mentioned, I believe we mentioned in the show we had on uh, the, the first day of free agency, which is Gallo coming, going to the Celtics. Yeah. That's a great move for them, too. Like, they're, they're like they, nine now. And that was their big problem was depth in the, in the finals. They, they got some depth. Yeah. I mean, you can make the argument that, um, and they got to keep Grant Williams, and so he's still an uh, RFA. So I don't know if they're keeping him for sure. He's a guy okay. they're going to pay money to, which they could, um, or you know, you get a match a deal, or you're going to trade him. So I, I well, think there's some options there too. I do think that the signing of Gollum makes him a little more expendable. Yeah, but uh, I think they just need to add a backup center and like the sort of the golden, you know. Yeah, I wonder if uh, some team shows interest in Grant Williams, and you'd be like, "Hey, like, well, we'll trade his rights to you. You give him the money if mm-hmm. you give us your backup center. You know, some something along those lines." Um, Boston does have that trade exception that expires sometime soon. I think it's seventeen million. So okay. it's, you can go out and get a pretty good center. The question is, you know, you're way over the tax, you, the cap now. How much more is this ownership going to be willing to spend? I think. Boston fans are already a little surprised. 
that they went out and got Brogdon and Gallo and spent all this money. So I'm curious, do they go try to go find a guy in that $5 million center range where you could find, or do they go a little higher? So uh, that's probably the last move for Boston this summer. That's why I was surprised. Like they didn't go after someone like Gorgie Ding, who just Gorgie signed a deal. Yeah. yeah who just signed Who just signed with the Spurs. I'm like, that guy would have probably made a good, made a lot of sense with the Celtics, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah, there still should be some guys available. And, you know, those guys are always kind of available in trade. You know, there's always the New Orleans Noel. You're always, somebody, some teams always run a dump. So that's going to do it for us here on the All Hoops Podcast. Chris, I thank you. Uh, one of my favorite weeks of the year. I'm hoping we get some more fireworks in the next uh, couple of days. Maybe a, a KD trade, maybe not. But we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Oh, Steve, real quick. Are you, are you looking forward to summer league? Yeah, I mean. So it's, it starts on Friday. Yeah, summer league is always exciting. It's always uh, it's one of those things where you try not to put too much expectations into it. You know, every once in a while you see a Kevin Knox put up respectable numbers, and you're like, "Yeah, is this the year?" And then you realize, no. So I don't put too much stock into it, but it's always fun to see uh, rookies in their in their unis. For sure, yeah, I'm excited for it. But you're you're right, Steve. You can't put too much stock in those like highlights. I I, I equate them really to like when like. Um, players do their off-season workouts and and make it seem like they've added a three-point shot to the game or something like, like ben that. simmons twice a summer and well i'm waiting for that instagram post but uh that's gonna do it for us thank you so much chris and we will talk to you soon thank you buddy have a good one everyone